All right, let's turn our Bibles again to Acts chapter 6 this morning. And also, if you could, pick up 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll be in those two passages of Scripture this morning. And as I mentioned, I'd like to teach on the, the ministry of the deacon. And as we're heading into a time where we're praying about that and um, transitioning from our previous deacons to, to new ones, I think it's needful for us to just uh, look at that again. It's not typically a message you would hear on a Sunday morning, but I think it's important that the whole church is understanding of, of this um, of the Spirit and their heart and their faithfulness over the years. And I'm glad that they're, they're here this morning. And um, this isn't uh, really a, a time where we're, we're thinking about them more, about thinking about the office and thinking about what it means for us as a church. And, um, you know, this week had a, had a really great time at, at youth camp. And I always think about camp as a little bit of a, a, a microcosm of the, of the Christian life. It's four days of concentrated time um, of, of just enjoyment and fun, but, you know, a lot of just preaching. And, and the young people responded really well to the preaching of God's Word this week. But I also like to observe and I love to, to watch and see how, how things play out, you know, who is what at camp. And, and I think about how there's just a, there, there's a, a group of, of young men this week that God would have placed something in their heart about a life call or, or some sort of direction, perhaps, that God has for them. And, uh, and I think about that, you know, we as a church, we ought to have the heart to produce Christ in others, right? And we want to be able to then recognize that the church is, it's, it's meant to be, the work of the church is meant to be a generational work. That, that part of, our, part of our, uh, our calling as a church is to reproduce those that are faithfully serving currently into the next generation. And, and I began to think about that, how probably in, in the midst of, of those in the the group there, there would be maybe, as if the Lord tarries is coming, there would be those who maybe will be part of the, um, one of the, the pastors of our church in the future. How maybe there would be some of the staff there just sitting in our midst who will fulfill some of those who already hold some of those responsibilities and one day it'll be their turn. And, and sometimes the, the ones that we don't really think about but is just as needful is who are the next deacons? I began to think about that. And just observing some of those who just had that tendency to be service-oriented. Um, they wanted to, you know, come along and they wanted to make sure that I got my meal and make sure that I, they picked up after that and all of that. And I know it was probably for points, all right, and they, they were being sort of motivated that way. But I just was observant of that. And, and that's really when we think about the deacon, we've got to start there. It's just those... Really, when we want to define who the deacons are, they are the, the chief servants of the church. They are servants. And when you look at the, the situation that we find here in the, in the book of Acts that was uh, so well read this morning, we see that there was an issue. And if you know what had happened in the earlier parts of the book of Acts, you know that the church was exploding in growth. There was a whole host of people that God was saving and they were being added to the church, the Bible says, such as would daily. And, and you imagine just the, 
the, the multitudes that God was bringing to be part of the church. And, and no doubt, God was moving in a, in a very evident way. And part of that, though, is this. When, when there's people, there's often problems, right? And we understand that. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no group of people anywhere in the world, let alone in church, that is perfect. In fact, Spurgeon said that if you, know, if you find one, don't join it because you're going to ruin it. <laughs> right? All of us here, we, we all are, are culpable to that. And we understand that we, because of our humanity and because of who we are just in this life, we're, we're always going to have imperfection. And so we understand that then what happened when this multitude, there was a, a murmuring that arose, but this was a, a, a real problem, a real issue, the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily ministration. And so much of the ministry needed to take care of those who were of the neediest in the society that they lived in. And you understand that, um, that in, in that day there was no uh, other, other means of which someone could uh, gain any kind of, uh, any kind of uh, finances to, to be able to help them live. It was really solely based uh, many times on the, the breadwinner of the home, the husband. And if there was a widow who didn't have a husband there, then really they just had great need. They were the neediest in, in society. And so that was a problem, and that was a real problem. And, and notice here how God adjusts. And he, he begins to then, as the, the 12, who the disciples, they were the, the leaders of the church, they understood, notice in verse 2, then the, the 12 called the multitude of the disciples. And, and notice that was the name given to the, the church at large. And, and by the way, that should be us. We should be disciples, right? doesn't matter how long you've been saved, you're still a disciple. You're meant to be learning and growing. And so he says that the disciples unto them, and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And so the, the problem was the focus of those 12, the, the, those pastors of the church, they were meant to be focused on the word of God. And, and they were being pulled away to these different tasks. And notice how the Holy Ghost moves. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, and whom... We may appoint over this business, this particular thing of meeting the, the, the practical needs that was just, uh, just part and nature of a group of people. And, and that's really the role of the deacon is starting to be developed here in the early, uh, early part of the history of the church. And in contrast, he says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And, you know, I, I've been in, involved in in church for a long time. I was, uh, was real young when my parents got saved, and I was saved real young, and we've been part of the, the, the church there, and part of the church that I grew up in, 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 in uh, particularly in Sydney, and, and we've gone through. And, you know, one of the things that I have a, a different, a bit of a different insight into the life of a deacon was I grew up in a deacon's home. Okay, my dad for a long time, from day dot of, our, of the ministry there in Sydney, from day dot, he was the, he was the deacon, he was appointed and went through that, and for probably, I think, if I, can, if I get this right, 27 years, he was the deacon of Southland Baptist Church. And so just every year, was, was, he just carried over for the term, 
and so faithfully in that. And so I got to see that from the background and I understood just inherently in my observation what a deacon does. And so I understand it from that perspective. I also understand the benefit of it from the point of view of a pastor because I also pastored my dad who was my deacon. And, you know, in the, in the first week, there was a bit of a, bit of a struggle. <laughs> there were times where I sat with my dad and I forgot I had to put my pastor hat on and he had to put his deacon hat on and not, it wasn't father and son hats. We had to take those off. But I'll tell you what, it, was just, it just worked well because he was called to that office and I was called to mine. And, you know, at that point, others were added along the way and thank God for those deacons that I've served alongside. I'm thankful for the ones that we've had here who, when I came in and I understood the, the need in the church and I understood their ministry and that and I can probably go around and walk through the congregation and, and there's going to be a large percentage of you that at some point they helped you move at some point, they visited you. At some point, they prayed with you, and they've done the ministry well. And I'm thankful for that. But, but I want to, again, just, just not take it for granted this morning that you just have some knowledge of that, because it is an important part of the church. It's not, not just something that we should just sort of, you know, just casually approach. And we understand, I think, that this is an office that God has given. And so we want to make sure that we're just mindful of that because the Bible says here, look ye out among you. That was an instruction to the church, right? He says, look ye out among you. And you've got to know what you're looking for, right? It's not just something that we just think, you know, we played this game. It's just a camp game that, that is played at every youth camp. It was called Spotlight. All right, and, and what it was, it was pitch black and, and the leaders had torches and the, the, the young people had to sneak past. And if you didn't observe ahead of time what young people looked like, you couldn't call them out. Right? So I was playing and, and I just, I didn't know what the, the kids were wearing and all of that. And they were just running past me and, and everything else. Someone even snuck up right there and, and scared the living daylights out of us. And, <laughs> and, and we were just like, well, how'd you get there? And, but we didn't know, I personally didn't know what I was looking for. That was a problem. And so I became unaware of those that were probably, I should have been more aware of. And that's the same way when the Bible says, look ye out among you, you better know what you're looking for. You know, we're going through, and, and, and again, I'll, I'll show you a little bit of why we have that process, but we have that process and, and that nomination time, it's, it's a, that time of looking out. And that's why it wasn't just simply, hey, I'll give you a week. Listen, I'm going to give you a month because this is a really important part of it. But, but basically, the, the word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos, which just simply means an errand runner or a waiter. So if you've ever been to a restaurant before, you've been served by a deacon. You just didn't know it. All right, the, that, that was the idea. Okay, deacons are spiritual ministers who serve congregations by waiting on them. So they help the pastor with the spiritual matters of the church and assist perhaps in visitation, hospital visits, prayer, ministering to those who are hurting, keeping the buildings clean, distributing gifts and donations that the church has given. They're involved in looking out for the widows and helping the pastor with the church during times perhaps of strife and dissension. And if you read carefully there, and, and we'll, we'll turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 in a little while, but the spiritual qualifications for deacons almost exactly match those of the bishop or pastor. Right? This shows us 
I think the emphasis that Jesus Christ places on spirit-filled servants in the local church. And by the way, that is, should be the production line of which we are hopeful for and aiming for is that we would all just be spirit-filled servants of Christ. Right? And that should be the case for us. That should be our desire. And, you know, there's, there's others who have also stated that the word deacon is a compound Greek word which means to stir up the dust. And the idea is that, that if someone is so, so, so busy or moving so rapidly in their duty that they would kick up the dust behind them. It's, it's the, the, it was a word picture of someone in the market who had to run one thing to the, uh, one, one item to the other stall who had ordered that and they were running so quickly because they had so many types of deliveries and duties through the course of the day. It's that picture of that dust sort of flowing up into the air as they went from one thing to the next. And, and oftentimes, Paul in his writings would refer to deacons in Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. And what it was, as the churches started to form, they recognized that the work of the ministry wasn't simply the, the, the person behind the pulpit and the person who was their pastor who was reading through and studying and praying through the Word of God. No, a wise pastor would understand that God in His in his wisdom and in his sovereignty, gave this office to the office of a deacon. And I've just seen it work so well in so many places, because not because it was man's idea, but because God put it in his word. That's the main crux of it. And so, times, it's also translated in the Bible as the word ministry. Right? So ministry is serving you know, when you're a faithful minister, you are faithful in your service. In Romans 12, 7, it's the same word. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. And that list of spiritual gifts there. And, and that's where you, you sort of get the picture as you study through that word, servant, minister, deacon. You start to see a, a, a broader picture of that. But there's specific chapters in the Word of God and passages that deal with it directly. I wanted to read for you this morning just what it says in our, in our constitution and our covenants. Deacons. Okay, deacons shall fulfill the scriptural qualifications for their office as contained in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 to 13, and Acts chapter 6, verse 3. And must have been a member of the church for not less than six months and be over the age of 21 years. An unmarried man having the foregoing qualifications is eligible for election. The church will elect as many deacons as necessary to attend to its affairs, and the deacon shall be elected at the annual business meeting for terms of two years arranged to end alternately. Their duties shall be, firstly, to serve with the pastor in meeting the spiritual needs of the church by participating in the examination of candidates for baptism and for church membership. Secondly, to assist in initiating matters of discipline according to Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. And then thirdly, to act in an advisory capacity to the church with the pastor. And so again, it's really important for us to understand that even within the, the context of a man-made document like the, the, uh, the, uh, the Constitution, there's the, the, the overarching part of that is actually based on Scripture. And so we need to understand that if we're really going to 
be, do well in looking out. Look ye out among you, is what the Bible instructs. And so look at First Timothy um, now and keep your finger there in Acts chapter 6 and, and chapter 3. And this is that, that great list in the first part of it is the, really the qualities of a bishop. And to me, it's interesting there in verse 1, it says, This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. But notice in, in verse 8 where it begins to, to describe the qualities of a deacon. It says, likewise, likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy or filthy. He goes straight in. <laughs> and what, what I got from that as I thought about it is there are those who desire leadership in the church. It says, if any man desire... There's a natural desiring. And you know, one of the things that's not desirable sometimes is just to be a servant. And so he goes on and just describes it. But I want to tell you that, that you know, you might be here and you might be sensing maybe the Lord moving in your heart about that. And for those of us in the church, we, we need to be looking out and thinking about these qualities, all right, these qualifications of the deacon. And so a godly deacon... Here's what my point doesn't look for status in the church. Right? They look for service in the church. So to be a deacon is to have a stewardship of trust and influence within the church body. They're, they're to be observed in their manner, in how they serve others and how they serve the church. And members will be looking to deacons to see a lifestyle that is demonstrated. And really, it's the model servant. And by the way, if I can remind everyone who the model servant is, the greatest example is the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? He says that he didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister. And so he's, the Lord Jesus elevated, you know who's greatest among you? It's the servant. The chiefest of all, he said, is the servant. And so let's go through this, dig three, uh, through this, and notice firstly, just really obviously, but we need to start there, he must be a man. All right, even so must their wives be grave. And he goes on, and we'll, we'll get to the wives in a bit, but he's saying it's, he's got to be a man, and there's no such thing as the, the deaconess in the Bible. All right, there might be those who conjecture that, that somehow Phoebe was, but again, that the, the idea there was that she was a fellow servant in the church. And, and, and by the way, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't diminish the role of ladies in the church. It's, just, it's an office. It's just order in the church. And so it must be a man. Okay, secondly, in, we read it in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, but the, it says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men, and then the first thing of honest report. And this is in relation really to their testimony in their spiritual and, and secular and home life. All right, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a testimony there of honest report. No one can accuse them. And there's a, there's a their testimony in their spiritual life of a a life that is walking with God. In their secular life, a life that is, is to be blameless in that way and then in their home life as well. And he gets more specific about that in a little while. But in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, he also says, not only seven men of honest report, they're to be full of the Holy Ghost. And that's really important. You know what that means? Firstly, they should be saved, Right? But it also means that they are to be walking 
in the Spirit. That they are ones who pray and seek God and, and have a closeness with the Lord. Later on in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And so, again, uh, sorry, uh, earlier, and they spake the word of God with boldness, and there was that filling, there was that, that understanding, that, that part of that being full of the Holy Ghost is that, uh, that ability to speak the words of God with boldness. All right, sometimes we have this idea that if they're practical men, that somehow they should be devoid of knowledge of the Word of God. But, you know, being full of the Holy Ghost and being full of the Word of God go hand in hand. And so understanding the Bible and understanding how that, that comes with at times where they sit and explain things to the church, to in a scenario, in a, in a, in a certain setting, whether it's marriage or raising children or in different other means, then they should be able to refer to the Bible because the next thing that comes with it, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Wisdom. In Acts 6.3, again, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And this isn't speaking about worldly wisdom or simply business acumen. Again, this is wisdom of God and His Word. And I, I think we understand from time to time, deacons may be call, called upon to, to give insight, to give counsel, and give biblical cause for situations in the church. And so what they need, they need to be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And so it's really important that when you consider and you're looking out among you, and by the way, it says among you, they're, they're in the church, you know them. You bump into them, you rub shoulders, you've served alongside them. And he says, look ye out among you. And he says, make sure that they're men who are of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. But then the Bible elaborates as this develops over time, as, as God, that pattern comes into view when the, the church spreads out past, uh, past uh, Jerusalem Notice the instruction given to Timothy to instruct the church. Look at verse 8 again, 1 Timothy 3, 8. So he says, likewise, notice the first thing, deacons must be grave. Okay, likewise the deacons must be brave. That word grave simply means solemn. Okay, sober, serious-minded. It means that they can be honest in their assessment. I'll tell you how, how much of a blessing that's been in my life when I've had to sit with a deacon and ask them what do they think of a situation and they've been able to give me an honest assessment of the situation. They, they've given me an honest report of that and they've been serious about it and sober-minded and that doesn't mean that they can't laugh and there's no joy in their lives. That's not what grave means. It just means when it comes to it, they're, they're serious-minded about the things of God. They're serious-minded about the church. It's not just a casual fling with them. No, it's an it's a office. And so there's, there's, they are grave. And, and they're, they're, they, they're able to give an honest assessment of things. Second one is not, must not be double-tongued. Okay, we see that there. The next thing, grave, not double-tongued. It, 
what that simply means is that you're not saying one thing with one person and another thing with another person. And if I can put the caveat with the intent to deceive. All right, and so they're, they're, they're truthful in what they say. The next one is pretty simple, must not be given to much wine. All right, and, and what this, the consideration here is not that it, it is proper for the deacon to indulge in small quantities of alcohol, rather that the man who is given to wine ought not to be considered for a deacon. All right, not given to it. All right, in another passage of scripture, we know that we are not to be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the spirit. That's the main influence in our lives. And so it must not be given too much wine. The next one, here, not greedy of filthy lucre. Okay? Filthy lucre is just the love of money. And, and you know, the, the, there's many examples of that. We all know that the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible tells us, actually, when it comes to the, the pastor as well, that... that we ought, to, we ought to just be mindful of that so that they, they can be ready or willing, ready of mind. And so they must not be greedy of filthy lucre. And, you know, when, when it comes down to it, at times it, they're called upon to be, uh, be involved in that side of things to make sure that all of the, the distribution is dispersed where they're supposed to go. And there's a bit of an accountability that they hold in that. You, you imagine the... The, all of the things, and you, you think about the book of Acts again, how they, they, uh, they sold all their goods and, and they gave of their possessions and the amount of responsibility those deacons would have had to take those to, to support the widows. They were to be trusted in that and so they had to be those who weren't so, um, weren't superfluous in their lifestyle. Uh, the, those, they, they had a good account of their own uh, their, own, uh, their own lifestyle to be able to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given them. Notice the next one, look at verse 9 now. Okay, verse 9, holding the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. Okay, that, what that means is they, they, they have an understanding of the revelation of Jesus Christ. They're able, with a pure conscience, to, to give to others, the, 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 very, uh, the very gospel, they're able to, uh, to, to sit with someone and, and unfold the mystery of faith in the sense of the, the, the ministry of Christ in a person's life. And so it should be someone who's close to Christ, who understands biblically who Jesus is. And, and then with a pure conscience there, he, he puts that at the end where it, the, the, really what the Bible means there is that it's something that they know themselves. It's not something that they just learnt from, a, from, a, um, from a, a Bible study. It's not just something that they got from Bible college or Bible institute. No, it's something that they, they know in their own lives. And then with pure conscience, talk about their walk with Christ and talk about who Jesus is to them. And their, their ability then to witness that way and to be a testimony that way and so they, they, there's that mystery of faith with pure conscience. In verse 10, notice, and let, us, let these also first be proved. Okay, they must be proved before they are appointed. You know, I think sometimes we give people a go. And, and that's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a level of that where it's okay, but when it comes here, the instruction is let these also first be proved. And, 
And that's what I'm saying. Like, there, there needs to be a bit of a culture in the church that you're constantly proving someone. And not that they have to prove themselves in the sense of, of this, they have to jump through hoops. But we're, we're, we're in a culture where we're giving people an opportunity to exercise their giftings of servanthood, where we're observing that in, in our younger men as at times when they're going through and growing up in the church. And there's already, there's already a sense of who they are. This should not be where it's just when the nomination comes where I sit with them and I go, okay, prove to me that you qualify for these. That's not the point it's making. It's first be proved. That means there's already an understanding of who they are, of their quality, of, of their substance, of, of what, what giftings they have to be able to fulfill this very needful office of the deacon. All right, so, so there's that, that, uh, that, that trying uh, out to find out whether they are servants or runners or a political opportunist. And you've got to, they've got to be proven, okay? So let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of the deacon being found blameless. And so this, this understanding that they can, in their, in their testimony, fulfill that role. Notice the next thing. Um, I'm going to skip verse 11. He says in verse 12, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. Okay, it must be the husband and one wife. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. And again, I believe this to mean that if he is married, that he is married to the one woman. All right, that there's a faithfulness there in that man in his married life. And so we see that there, but we also goes on, he says, ruling their children in their own house as well. And, you know, the home is a basic unit of our society. And, and I think we see that the, the world is, is suffering for that, isn't it? When, when the home is not emphasized and the home is not instructed and the home is being destroyed the way it's been destroyed because of the world we live in. We see, we see that because of that, society is not better for it. That's why there's such an attack. But, you know, the, the home is really a, a, a proving ground, so to speak. Someone said, as in the home, so is the church. And he's got to keep sound control over his household as he leads his wife, as he leads his children. He's able to lead them well. And, by the way, not in the other way, not her leading him at times. And what it is, it's implied he's the head of the home in all spiritual matters. And the spiritual temperature of the home is completely related to his really his level of spirituality. But it's also someone who understands authority. Because someone who, who, uh, who doesn't neglect that in the home won't neglect that in the church. And so he understands where he sits as far as responsibility in the church. He doesn't sit alongside in the sense of God's hierarchy and structure in the church. He understands the pastor's authority that is God-given. And so he sits under that and supports that. And so we understand then that he's a man who understands authority and the responsibility of it, of that in relation to being under authority. And so all of those things are to be qualities or qualifications of the deacon. But then, you know, he, the Bible doesn't just leave there because he says there in regard to his wife, in, in verse 11, and I skipped it earlier because it was referring to her, even so, 
must their wives be grave. Okay, again, that same word, being solemn, sober, serious-minded. It's someone who can give an honest assessment, someone who is not just leaning towards one thing and the next. All right. Um, also, not a slanderer. Well, a slanderer is, is a false accuser. One given to talking about others. We would say it this way, is a gossip. And so it's be very careful. He says the, the wife must not be a slanderer. Okay, a, a slanderer is a, someone who gives a false tale or report, uh, maliciously uttered intending to injure the reputation of another by lessening him in the esteem of others. And we understand the damage that that can cause. Right? And so his wife must not be a slanderer. His wife must be sober. All right? In this context, it means honest in her life and dealings. Not, not given to exaggeration. All right? His wife must be faithful in all things, is what the Bible says. So in their spiritual lives, there's a, there's a faithfulness, their, 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 their attendance to the things of the Lord, their duties and responsibilities in the home, their individual ministries perhaps in the church. And, and the church needs to be able to look at, at the wife of the deacon and say that she is a faithful woman in these regards. And so those things are very needful. And, and, and I ran through those um, through those specifically because, again, we need to know what we're looking out for, all right? And so really the, the qualities or the qualifications of the deacon. But then notice the position of the deacon this morning. Go back to Acts chapter 6, and I know that this isn't normally the way we would approach uh, a Sunday morning, but I hope that you just st- stick with me this morning. But again, Acts chapter 6 I already said it earlier, but you know the, these 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 were among them, but they were to serve in this capacity that is practical. All right, so this practical uh, practical service was to allow the pastor to do their work, and to do their work, the work was to give of the word, to be the in prayer and the ministry of the word. And there's a, there was a time, I think there was a time, and, and perhaps it's even maybe sticking in, in some of our minds, that, there, that, that somehow the concept of deacons was for them to be some sort of board of directors. That somehow they're just a board that, you know, makes, uh, makes decisions um, uh, over and above the, the pastor. And there was a drift away, when you look at it historically, in the latter half of the 18th century, a concept of deacons began to creep into the church by means of a treatise written on church discipline. And by 1846, a lot of Baptist churches began to view the role of a deacon in this way, and here's how it was defined in that treatise, a board of directors, and have charge of all the secular affairs in the kingdom of Christ. And from that was born this idea of a deacon board where, where every small detail and every decision had to be ran through the deacon board. And, and, and honestly, it's bred no end of problems for, for churches for since then. And as time continued, the Baptist model of deacons shifted away from the scripture and the churches have given deacons authority that is contrary to the New Testament teaching. And there's a board complex, you know, a feeling within the church that the deacons are the directors of the church. And can I tell you, 
it, the director of the church isn't even the pastor, it's the Holy Ghost. And so nothing could be further from the plan of the New Testament. A deacon doesn't control or operate a, a committee. A deacon doesn't give orders to the pastor. They're not the ones who, who hire or fire preachers or run business meetings. They might contribute. A deacon doesn't co constitute a coordinate branch of administration of the church. But it actually is to act in conjunction with the pastor, not independent of him. And it's not proper for deacons to hold meetings as a board and independent of and without the advice of the pastor. And I've been glad for that. You know, the, the, the spirit of these three men, even if they're going to hold a prayer meeting, they often would let me know. And today, the idea of a board mentality persists in churches. The, the likely cause of this, for this, is that people conclude that in order for decisions to be made, things must be talked through behind closed doors, and who is there to do this except the deacons? And I'm saying that that, that, that doesn't negate the accountability that a pastor's office holds. You know, a wise pastor will sit with different men in the church and different ladies at times to talk through situations. I hope that you know my heart in that. And I hope that you understand that, that my door, when I say it's always open, is literally always open. And you can come and we can talk. And if I can't do it then, we'll try, try another time. But we, you've got to be open to communication. And, and I'm, I'm telling you that that's part of the reason why the, the Bible tells us to look ye out. There's an involvement of the church when it comes to the choosing even of the deacons. And that's why this nomination process for us, it's really important. Please don't be cynical about it. Some, of, uh, some I've already heard are cynical. And they're saying, oh, what's the point? Pastor's just going to choose who he wants. That is cynical. And that, that, that mentality needs to come out and be stamped out. Because we're supposed to be in unity about this. Because later on, he says, look ye out among you, and then that we may appoint, and they chose. You understand, if you follow the Bible's pattern, actually, everyone's involved, and guess what? If we're all praying... And doing what we're supposed to do, following the Holy Ghost, guess what? We'll all choose the same ones. <laughs> and so understand with me, church, this morning, please. Don't politicize what God has organized. And don't, don't make it like this man-made thing. Listen, God's prescribed it. So that's what we'll follow. And we have the Holy Ghost who's the director of things. And you pray. If you have concerns, you pray. If you have concerns ahead of time, come sit down with me and we'll talk. And you understand that this isn't something that's just cloak and dagger stuff. Right? This is God's work. And so we want to do it God's way. And so we need to, to have that mindset and we need to return to God's model of that. And it's imperative to change our way of thinking in order to align ourselves with the Bible. We've got, we've got to adopt the script, a scriptural model of the deacon and put aside uh, perhaps petty ambitions or pride in our service for our Savior. In order for us there to, to again, to model that, the deacon correctly, we've just got to get, it, get into the Word of God. But I think that the deacon must subscribe to the following if, if they're going to fulfill this. The deacon has got to fulfill each of the scriptural requirements for the office before being appointed. Okay, the deacon's wife must fulfill each of their scriptural requirements in order for her husband to be appointed. 
If at any time these requirements are broken, the deacon must, of his own volition, step down from his office. If the deacon does not step down voluntarily, the remaining deacons and the pastor have the biblical responsibility to remove him from office. The deacon must remember that his office is one of service, not of title. And the deacon must be faithful and reliable in his service. And the deacon is a God-ordained servant, not a God-ordained delegator. Okay, as much as is able in him, he's to do the serving and then involve others along the way. And so the, the deacon has to align with the church. You know, our, our church is an independent Baptist church, okay, with unique and specific needs. And again, as I read through that earlier about the board, some choose to do that. And, and again, they can choose to do that. That's their prerogative as, an, as another church. But our church, is, we're unique and specific in our needs. And, you know, primarily the pastor determines what those needs are. And, and, and he, I delegate them, uh, I delegate some of those things to the fellowship of deacons so that they can deal with it. But the deacons are responsible to ensure these needs are met in a timely and Christ-honoring manner. You know, another verse that is uh, significant in this discussion is James 1.27, pure religion. And undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And I think that's got to do a little bit with the deacons as well. It's meant to be modeled, right? But there's, there's that need to just, to just visit, all right? And so I think part of it, the duties and responsibilities of the deacons is to visit the sick at home or in hospital. Care, care for the needs of the widows in the church. And I know that there's, there's many in, in our congregation. We need to, they need to assist the pastor in making visits to the visitors of the church, to visit the shut-ins in their homes, those who can't physically able to, to make it, to maintain you know, the grounds and the property and the maintenance of it and to steward what God has given to ensure that the facilities are, are stocked clean and prepared for all services and, and then ensure all buildings are then protected, they're locked up and unlocked when there's need but then also to serve as advisors for the pastor and his staff. And then at times to serve in committees as needs arise. So there's a lot of responsibility there. And I want to say again what a, what a blessing it's been to observe that in the lives of our deacons. But we come now to a place where we need to look ye out, the Bible says. And that's our responsibility. See, the responsibility doesn't just lie in the deacons. We have a responsibility as well. And our responsibility is to look ye out. All right, the, the church had a need, and the answer from the Lord were deacons. But the church had a responsibility in that too. It was to look ye out among you, seven men of honest report. And that word, look ye out, is to inspect. Right, it's to visit, to, to, to notice, to observe. And in the, in the next many weeks, that, that should be what, how we're doing. But let's do it through the lens of the Holy Spirit of God. We're looking and being filled with the Spirit and, and, and understanding from His, through, through discernment from Him, who it is that God is calling us to choose. But the next point he says is whom we may appoint. And I, I just, in the context here, it's very clear we here had to do with the church leadership. And the reality is the church leadership and the congregation, there had to be an alignment because later on it was said they and the, the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose. 
And so the process there is that there was a looking out, there was an appointment, but there was them, the whole church, doing the choosing. And so what, how we're going to do that as a church is, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we're going to have a time of nomination up until the 30th of April. All of the names there that will be before me, I will consider and pray over. And I'll tell you, I'm going to sit with every one of those who are nominated, but I'm also going to sit around and talk with the whole church. And then at our next appointed annual business meeting, we're just going to have the membership. I'm going to present the five that I believe, and then we will ratify it at that time or deny it. But at that point, I'm hoping we will be at unity. All right? And, and so in the meantime, again, if you have concerns or if there's some things that you're not, you're not quite understanding or you're a little, still a little bit in disagreement with even, please come and see me. And let's talk biblically and let's, let's reason it out together. All right? And that, that's, that's the thing that I think we ought to do. But most of all, when the Bible says to look you out, a big part of that is to look with the Spirit of God's discernment. And you're not, you're not going to do that if you're not praying. You're not going to do that if you're just making assumptions. You're not going to do that if you're allowing your concerns to overtake the actual opportunity and the actual moving of God in your own heart, in the heart of our church. And you've got to come to a place of decision, but you've got to make it through the Holy Spirit's guidance. And it only happens, it only happens if we're all praying. And I'm saying this this morning, it's an important time in our church's history. I, I want to tell you, we've had it good. We've seen longevity, but it's time, it's imperative that we seek the Lord so that we can function and grow as a church. Why? Because of the work of God that's important. Because we've got a job to do, and we want to do it well for the glory of God. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. Thank you, Lord, for the, Lord, just the, the willingness of your church to listen. And Father, I know, Lord, that it's not typical of what we would have on a Sunday morning, but I just believe that this is where we need to be as we consider such an important decision. I pray that you would please help us, dear God, to be at peace and be in unity, most of all. Lord, help us to look out among us. Fill us, Lord. Help us, we pray. And I pray that you would just make it evident who would you, you, you would have for us in this next season of our church's history. Lord, not because we, we have anything, but Lord, because we have a great work to do for you. And Father, you've given us a stewardship over our generation that we ought to honor and we ought to just have a, a sense, Lord, of great responsibility. And so I pray that you'd help us, dear God, um, Lord, as we lead into the rest of the, the month, dear Lord. And Father, I pray that you'd help, and we're going to have a time, it's going to be a little bit of a different invitation. I wonder if the church would just be serious enough that this morning we would, if, if we would just have a soberness, and already we would just begin to pray in an overt way. I wonder if there would be some of you who just, perhaps they're in your seats, but maybe even here at the altar, just say, Lord, help our church. Lord, give us unity about this decision. Lord, give us a discernment that can only come from you. Lord, put to mind who, would you, have, who would, you would have for us to choose. And really, that's a simple simple invitation this morning. I want to ask the piano to play. Um, if that's you, if your desire 
is for unity. Your desire is for the right appointment. I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to come to the altar. I want to ask you to pray with your family there at your seat. I want to ask you then, church, to say, Lord, we want the best. And the best is your will and your way. Lord, put aside my my own thoughts. Lord, put in my thoughts and in my desires who you would have. And I pray, dear God, that you would help us as a church. As a piano plays, why don't we do that? Why don't we seek the Lord together this morning? And, and, And I just believe that there's exciting days ahead. So let's seek the Lord today.